Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry Radio. It is the uh, 2nd of June, I can't believe it's the 2nd of June, 2016. The year has gone by so fast. Um, This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from uh, Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And, uh, you know, I I noticed something really interesting today, Dave. What's that? Totally totally not to do with SEO, but... uh, I guess our listeners, you know, after, you know, 10 years, our listeners have figured out that we live up in Canada. You know how in Toronto you can tell a new Canadian from somebody who was born in Canada? Um, Well, you just pulled a new Canadian calling it Toronto, for one. (laughs) You didn't go with the classic Toronto. Well, that, know, that, com- that, that, that comes from living on the West Coast for like 16 years and also trying to have my radio voice on this morning. <laughs> valid point, valid point. You know what, and I guess because I spend so much time in Ottawa, I do, I, I do call it Toronto. Oh, oh, in Ottawa. Well, there you go then. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can tell the difference, honestly, in, in Toronto, you know, you can tell the difference between a new Canadian and somebody who was born here. It's 85 degrees Fahrenheit outside, 30, 31, 32 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. The Torontonians, the people who were who were you know like born in this city, we're walking around wearing almost nothing because it's sweltering hot. But you know, I I, I live in a uh, in a, in a, a community that has a, a lot of new Canadians who move into it. Yeah, they're all walking around wearing sweaters and stuff today. Wow, you know, people from the Middle East, people from Pakistan, people from Africa, people from uh, from uh, Latin America, they're walking around wearing like sweaters and stuff. And for you know. People who were born in this climate, it's the sweatiest, awfulest, like, densest weather ever. I, I want it to be December again when it's, like, normal. <laughs> and when hockey's on, let's be honest. Well, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> hockey is still on. It's just that there's, you know, teams from cities that most people will never visit playing. Except for us, of course, because San Jose's in there losing pretty badly to uh, Pittsburgh. Right. But, you know what, they did better in Vancouver. So... <laughs> um, all right. Well, where are we going to go, Jim? You sent over like a, a whack of stories. I only sent a few back because it's funny. It like to me there was a few interesting stories. But anyway, where would you like to begin this this exploration of a weekend search? If I was to begin this exploration of a weekend search, I'd probably begin in San Jose. A because the Sharks are playing the uh, Penguins for the Sammy Cup, and B. Because in Menlo Park, Facebook is looking for a SEO. Facebook is looking for a new head SEO. Now, I'm going to read you the qualifications for this job, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you straight up, I don't qualify for this job. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm one of the like you know longest practicing SEOs in, in, in the business. Mm-hmm. I do not qualify for this job at Facebook. Here's the responsibilities. I, I, I can do this. Easily, I can, I can handle the responsibilities, okay? Okay. Great web applications using primarily Hack. Well, I'll figure that one out. Um, right. Implement web interfaces using XHTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Not a problem. Right. Work closely with our product and design teams to define feature specifications. Well, you know, assuming they shower every once in a while, I can work closely with them. <laughs> Work closely with operations and infrastructure to ensure to, to build and scale back-end services. Again, I don't know about those guys in infrastructure, but the people in operations shower, so I, I, I can work closely with them. All right. Leverage data to build insights about our SEO efforts. Okay. Good. Inform and define our strategy to optimize for growth, engagement, and revenue. Well, okay. <laughs> um... Work closely with design, product, marketing, and data teams to build scalable tools that maintain our productive values, invent, design, test, analyze, optimize, and scale our SEO, SEM effort. Okay, so on responsibilities, what I'm hearing is you need to be an SEO. 
Yeah, and uh, by the way, if you can handle these responsibilities, this is a dream job. I mean, until you get to uh, the requirements that might be a little outside the scope. <laughs> it might from be a little bit outside many people's scopes, indeed. But again, I just want to go back. This is a dream job. If you can, if you can handle living in the valley and working at Facebook, the marathon that comes with like actually working in the valley, this would be your dream job. But here's what you got to be. Here's what you got to have behind you to get the job. The requirements. A Bachelor of Science, a Master of Science, or a PhD in a computer science or related field. Experience with Perl, PHP, Hack, or Python. Experience with Big Data Technologies, experience with Web Technologies, HTML and JavaScript. Experience with C and C++. Minimum two years experience doing in-house SEO at a major internet company dealing with sites with 10 million uh, and ideally 100 million, more than 100 million pages. Minimum six years of total experience in software engineering, experience dealing with SEO in multiple languages, and ideally experience with Navia Yahoo or Japan Yannix, as well as Google. Apply to business strategy, apply to business strategy to user experience and analytic models. I'm reading that directly, incidentally. That's not, that's not my stump. Um, apparently, you don't know how you don't need to know how to phrase things in English properly. Um, so you need to have a bachelor of science, a master of science, or a PhD in computer science or a related field. I don't know about what you went to school for, bro, but I'm a social worker. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I had poli sci and network admin. So, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a related field, don't you think? A network admin, at least, that's close. <laughs> Not quite the same rigorous training that you would have for, say, a doctorate in computer science, but... They call it a social network, don't they? (laughs) There you go. You're in. You're in. Can you do C++? Uh, No. (laughs) My kid can, though. I can call him up and ask. (laughs) Oh, Spoken like a true Facebook user. Like, spoken like Facebook's biggest demographic, eh? Parents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, anybody out there in Radio Land, if you have those uh, qualifications, get thee to. Um... Oh, I guess you wouldn't phone. That would get insults. Uh, get thee to an instant messenger immediately. No, you probably wouldn't do that. Facebook doesn't check its instant messages. Trust me, I've tried. Um, well, email somebody. If you're smart enough to figure out who, you're probably smart enough to work to work at Facebook. <laughs> and if you're not smart enough to find your way to the um, sort of outline of it, yeah, you probably don't have a the relevant experience in computer science. They didn't want you there anyway. Exactly. Okay, moving along. Here's one that's going to make you... Uh, maybe it won't make you scratch your head. It made me scratch my head. I got two stories, one back-to-back, okay? Okay. Both on Google Mobile. Three of okay. them, if, if you if you include the tool that you posted today. Mm-hmm. But um, according to uh, Gary Ellis at Google at the Google Dance Japan uh, uh, earlier this week, the next mobile friendly update is going to include page speed, and that's coming in a few months. So. When Google says it's coming in a few months, kids, you know, it's never coming. But <laughs> apparently it's coming in a few months. And the next mobile-friendly update will include page speed. And this is where I begin to scratch my head so furiously that I go bald. Wasn't Google testing page speed on mobile like six months ago, eight months ago, 12 months ago? I know. That's actually the only surprising part of this story for me. I'm like, oh, I thought you were. So... Um, WTF, Google? Like, seriously? So we know this is coming. Yep. Well, how, th- 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 does that make any sense to you, Dave? Like, how could they not have been measuring Yeah, it does seem like a natural, and I think for people who were concerned about it going in, it is still a, a natural. Um, and, and 
to have been doing it is not a waste of time. What I think they're saying here, judging judging from the piece you'd sent across, is basically they were judging your speed based on you know the Google Insights, as, as we all see. It seems that they weren't actually differentiating desktop and mobile. Even though the tool was differentiating them, it appears that they weren't differentiating on their own and in the algorithm, which I think ties into the second story you're, you're about to bring up as well. Um, and so I, I think what we're hitting here is just a scenario where now they're going, Okay, with some other changes, I'm going to leave Jim, you to bring those ones up in a second. We're actually going to be looking at mobile specifically. Your desktop will have no impact on, on how we're indexing or ranking mobile sites, and your mobile will have um, no impact on, on how we're ranking your desktop sites. Um, of course, I find it funny, or I guess not funny, but worth noting as a, hey, and if you've been doing it before now and, or, and your SEO convinced you to, don't view it as a waste of time because experience is key, right? Like that's what Google's going after is experience is key. So if you didn't, if you were working on your page speed and were working to make sure your mobile experience was great, you just helped your users. And yeah. ranking signal or not, we can debate that till the cows come home. I think it is, but um, either way, help your users, you're, you're helping yourself. So none of it was a waste of time. But now if you hadn't done it before now and you enjoy ranking on mobile, get on it. Okay. Now, which, which this actually that brings me to AMP rather than the, the place I was going to go. But um, I saw an article in the uh, Toronto Star today um, which read, Google and the new, or Google about to make the Google to make the news four times faster. And the Toronto Star was talking about um, its evolution to AMP, accelerated mobile pages. Mm-hmm. If you have a mobile strategy right now, especially especially on a site that um, publishes a lot of stories frequently, or that receives a lot of user traffic. So we're not talking about like your normal, you know, your normal, this is my shop website. This is like a site that has like a, a good um, measurable five, five figure uh, page views, five figure unique sessions or more a day kind of, mm-hmm. kind of stats, okay? You want to move to AMP. That's the direction everything's going on. Unless you have a compelling reason not to strip the hell out of the code that you present on mobile. You're you're wanting to move to AMP, especially in a world where more, and this came out of the EU the other day, more mobile users are using devices that have ad blockers on them than than people who are not using ad blockers. Then the recordings and then the slideshow, and then after 3 o'clock, I'm clear. Nope. Interesting. We can hear studio in the background. I I was just like, okay, we should let Braska know that. <laughs> I think we just did. Um, right. <laughs> no, I, th- I find that really neat. More than half the mobile devices out there are running um, are, are running technology that has ad blockers. So if you're a publisher, if you have a website, the content you think you're publishing, including ad content, may not be coming across your mobile viewer's phone. If you're using AMP, on the other hand, those ads. That ad content is so stripped down, and it's not going to get blocked by an ad blocker. For now. Another reason to, to shift to AMP, your ads will actually be seen. Right. So there, I mean, isn't that an interesting scenario where you're, you're going to be losing some design control in some ways? Right. I mean, well, well we were fine just because it's stripped down HTML there. But, um, you know, your ability to monetize... Um, you know, a larger segment, it is going to be interesting to see what those stats break down to, right? Like if, if you're providing the experience you want to at its core provide, will you have more page views and get more ad, ad revenue from the people who are navigating to more pages? Or is AMP actually the answer with its speed and ability to show those ads to a larger segment of people? Um, well, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be watching that one, how that plays out. And here's the problem in trying to judge and trying to judge this ahead of time, trying to make like an educated guess. If we're to believe Google, then AMP is clearly the way to go. You'll get more page views. You'll be you'll be featured more frequently in uh, mobile search results. You'll be featured more prominently in mobile search results. However, as the next story we're about to touch on reminds us, just because Google says it, don't necessarily mean it's true, or it's happening, or going to happen, or what, or it's even vaguely comprehensible. Google is still working 
on a separate mobile search index, the one that they said existed about a year ago this time and then said didn't exist. <laughs> and I'm cool with Google not having a separate mobile search index. I am. I, I, I get it. It's a very complicated thing. But, like, Google, don't tell us you do when you don't. Don't tell us you do when you think you're gonna, but you don't. Because it confuses and it makes us sound like idiots when we explain to our clients something that you said to be true and then turns around not to be true because two weeks later you said, you know, it isn't true. You don't even say our bad. You just sort of said it ain't true. Oh, makes yeah. Mad. It makes me so mad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do. I, it's, it's funny. I'm not sure that it's better or worse because um, I know I, I remember a year ago. Well, of course, I remember because we've been talking. We're talking about it right now. Um, a year ago, basically, for, for our listeners who weren't around a year ago and good for you for, for listening to some great radio. You know, if you weren't in the industry a year ago, um, if you weren't, there was a we're, we're launching a mobile index. Basically, they were going to split desktop and, and, and mobile into two different indexes. Um, turned out they weren't. They were basically just putting a filter on their one desktop index to just go, okay, this is mobile, so filter it out. Now, Jim, I, I gotta ask, knowing Matt, and that now they're going, okay, we are going to be splitting this off into two, is that better? What advantages do you, can you see to actually having a direct mobile index versus just filtering um, the standard index for sites that have mobile? Um, and, I mean, either way, at the end of the day, you're going to end up with, with the user experience that you need. What do you think Google's doing this for? I think it's better to have a uh, separate mobile and desktop search environment because of the way that user behaviors are sort of taking the two the kinds of searches that are conducted in the environments. Mm-hmm. Desktop searches, uh, it's funny, I was having this conversation with another SEO yesterday, um, and we kind of came to the conclusion that a, an easy rule of thumb, which, you know, this is, again, massive generalization here, okay? Mm-hmm. But an easy rule of thumb, which is a massive generalization, desktop is B2B, business to business. Mobile is B2C, business to consumer. When I'm thinking of making a business decision, I'm thinking of partnering with another company or purchasing a product or you know, doing some sort of uh, 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 action that might create a new service that my company offers, I research the hell out of it. I ask a lot of questions, I send a lot of emails, I correspond with a lot of people. I make sure that I have as good an idea where the footing is and where, I, where I'm going to be stepping next as possible. And to do that, that amount of research requires a real keyboard and a desktop. However, when I'm shopping, I'm out there comparing prices, I'm looking for specials lists, I'm looking at uh, you know what's in stock at a grocery store or uh, where I can get um, that $60 pair of jeans for $40. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, my girlfriend, Sean, has got training me very well. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing the kind of research that it's much easier to do from a mobile device, and the stakes aren't really that high. When I'm making a business decision, I'm, I'm risking thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. When I'm making a personal decision, I am saving 20 You know? Not a big deal. Right, and you're often weighing off, do I buy it in the store and have it now, or do I order it from Amazon and save 20 bucks? Right? And that's, that's, that's your big question. And if I'm ordering from Amazon, I'm likely using an app rather than the web. Right. Something True. to keep in mind. So we're talking about is it is it wise having a separate mobile index from a uh, from the uh, uh, desktop index or the uh, uh, you know standard web page index? <laughs> Given how mobile sites are going to be functionally different than desktop sites, even for the same. Uh, for the same company, mm-hmm. I mean, again, think of how AMP radically will change the user experience by stripping out so much stuff that'd be visible on the desktop. Yep. I think it only makes sense. Also, I think that you know people will. We, we know for a fact that qu- that queries are radically different off the mobile device than they are off of the uh, off of a desktop. Heck, we're moving into conversation search on the mo- in the mobile world. So, yeah, I think there's there's clear reason to have different different indexes. 
I agree, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head right towards the end. I mean, when we take over, uh, when we, you're taking aside things like processing power, which obviously, you know, having two separate indexes is going to reduce the processing power required on any one of those two indexes. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about voice search and their new ability now, um, or just the standard, you know, I'm typing in searches into Google, but hey, you know, it might be, you know, I'm going to type shorter and, and differently than I would uh, because of, you know, my thumb size and, and the screen size. So the opportunity to actually tailor an entire algorithm um, and an entire index around a different type of user and a different type of query. I think you, you hit the nail on the head and people need to start as we're optimizing, we'll be optimizing for two different indexes now and two completely, I'm guessing, two completely different algorithms. I mean, but there's you know, going to be some core similarity, but I think they'll have the opportunity to make them functionally different for the different users and their behavior. I'm inclined to agree with that. And you know, just said, uh, you, do you remember back in the day when? Uh, I mean, this is, this is ages ago, kids. This is not important anymore, but it used to be. Keyword densities actually used to make a difference when we had a, uh, a number of different searches we were working with. And do you remember, Dave, how those keyword densities seemed to be different by sectors? Yes. Okay, wow, so, yeah, that is a throwback, yes. <laughs> so, okay, now again, this is not relevant. The keyword density example is not relevant for today. Keyword density means nothing today. But we used to have to optimize for different engines and slightly differently for different business sectors. The same thing, I think, is going to start happening when we look at the difference between the mobile world and the desktop world. Again, going back to that... Um, very general rule of thumb adage, desktop is business to business. Mobile is uh, much more personal. It's business to consumer from, from the SEO's perspective because consumers aren't paying us to communicate with each other. Um, <laughs> and so the way you optimize for these audiences is going to be naturally different. Heck, you're going to be doing a lot more e-com in the mobile environment than you will in the desktop environment moving into the future, although yep. things may be relatively equal today. Indeed. Indeed. Um, we got yeah, break. I, I, so I do think it's a good move, as you uh, apparently do as well. Well, no, 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 the whole thing that started this segment was we thought we, they'd already done this. Yeah, well, valid point. <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I want to keep this going because I'm having fun with this the segment, but we got to take a break. It's like 25 minutes after the hour. Rasco must be pulling the remainder of his hair out in the studio. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from, uh, from Beatsock Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 2nd of June, 2016. Stick around. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let Zo Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Is buying something that is made in the USA important to you? How do you know that it really is made in the USA? Certified Inc. is the only supply chain audit company on the planet which qualifies country of origin labeling. If it's important to you as a consumer to know where the products you buy and use in your own home come from, then it's also important for your customers. Visit us at madeinusa.net and find out more. Go to madeinusa.net because it's that important. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim 
Adam Hedger and Dave Davies. It is the 2nd of June, 2016, at about halfway past the hour. And, um, okay, Dave, I don't want to alarm you. Can I take a look at <laughs> But all the stuff around you mightn't be real. Really? Love this story. Love this story. Okay, so most of the time when somebody says that, you look at them and say, brother, you did way too much acid back in the 80s, which really is possible to have done. Trust me, I tried. Um, but Alan Musk is saying there's a one in billions chance that our perception, our reality is not a simulation. So, of course, that means there's a greater chance than not that our reality is, in fact, a simulation. Now, a simulation of what? Well, a simulation of reality would be the, 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 the idea, I suppose. Confused? A little, maybe. So, Dave, have you ever played, Sim, have you ever played like, SimCity or seen anybody play the game The Sims? Of course. I've played both. Okay, so The Sims is, you know, you're basically making your second life or something like that. You're making a simulated reality, right? Yep. Okay. In 2003, uh, philosopher Nick Bostrom uh, came up with the idea that, you know, chances are many sufficiently advanced civilizations exist, and they're likely to create civilizations of the universe or their slice of it. So, you got to get, you know, start thinking in exponential numbers here, okay? Like, you know, there's uh, uh, more stars in the universe than we could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So the chances of there being other intelligent, intelligent life out in the universe is quite high. I mean, it just right. stands to reason, right? Correct. Now, again, when we say quite high, we're talking in mind-bogglingly big numbers. Um, bigger, than, bigger than a Google could. Bigger than a Google. And probably bigger than, than Google's bank account. Astronomically big. So chances are, one of those planets, or maybe many of them, support a civilization that's so much more advanced than us, they are running simulations on what the universe in reality is there's a greater chance on us being part of a simulation than reality actually being real, according to Elon Musk, who, while wearing extremely nice shoes, was speaking at the Code Conference in California on Wednesday. Now, the reason I mentioned his shoes is we all, if you see the picture that I'm looking at, we'll all perceive them to be very nice shoes. That's a hell of a simulation. Um... (coughs) Yeah, anyway, I, I don't know why this is an important story, except that Elon Musk said so, which makes it almost immediately interesting, right? Well, that's, I, I think, actually, yeah, is what makes it interesting. And it is a funny thing, like, when we think about our quest for artificial intelligence and how rapidly it's coming and how we're trying to build systems that will recreate thought, the idea that a system has been built to recreate thought and experience is not unheard of. We're not actually that far away from doing it ourselves. <laughs> so I can imagine a universe where we'll be looking at a screen, 3D, however however the, the display is set up, and looking and listening to a conversation uh, among, among two of these beings we've created discussing the fact that, hey, it's been a long time since God chatted with us. Uh, he must not exist because, hey, the programmer went and took a lunch break. <laughs> like... Um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. What I'm really worried about is what happens when they hit natural disaster mode or that plunger like symbol they have in SimCity when they just want to like recreate or just like you know wipe out this one civilization and put a new one down. Anyway, just so you know, folks, it probably doesn't matter. <laughs> Not the way you think it does, anyway. Uh, now, something that will directly relate to us, um, he also said. Uh, we are two years away from driverless vehicles, in his estimates. And, and the guy builds cars, so his estimates are probably pretty good. Uh, video on uh, on Facebook yesterday of uh, the shot in California, and in California in heavy traffic in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Guys driving past Tesla super slowly, filming the driver who's fast asleep while his car navigates traffic for him. 
So they drive, no, Musk, Musk's driverless car already exists. Heaven knows he built it. It was a Tesla that the guy was filming. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love that. I, and I love the idea that we have that, that you know, as, as a pedestrian, I love the idea of driverless cars. They're going to be much smarter than the cars we have currently. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. Okay. Now, I don't think that's simulated reality. Well, actually, the driverless car may well be some version of simulated <laughs> reality if you want to look at it the right way. This is a very real reality. Okay? Okay. The top 100 most expensive keywords in the uh, in the United States inside the Google AdWords system. Oh, this is brutal. Yep. <laughs> okay, now, for the uninitiated, which is, I'm pretty sure, no one listening to this show, pay-per-click is... Uh, and it's the, the the most basic and insufficient, but basic uh, explanation of it is somebody clicks on an ad that you've paid for, you pay what you, you know, what you bid for that click. Try to save you money and all that, but nine hundred thirty-five dollars. 71 cents on average per click for the keyword phrase best mesothelioma lawyer. $935.71 per click. Now, kids, do not go to Google, type in best mesothelioma, best mesothelioma lawyer and click on the number one result because that's just not cool. Although you can prove you're an SEO by being able to spell mesothelioma faster than you can <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second most expensive keyword in the United States comes in at less than half the cost. And that's Dallas Truck Accident Lawyer at four twenty five seventy per click. That is a that bargain. Is- <laughs> Relatively speaking. <laughs> but I just... You know, I got I, I I got a guy in Georgia, a lawyer in Georgia, a couple of years who called me up and wanted to do um, organic organic placement for uh, you know um, truck accident uh, for for this whole class of um, you know uh, uh, accident claims. And yep. I had to tell him, no, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> um, tell you what, why don't we work on your site for like four or five years? Do all the right things, and then we'll like you know aim for top ten under some of these phrases. Because if someone's willing to spend four hundred and twenty-five seventy, I can tell you they're willing to spend more than you are on this organic campaign. <laughs> yep. So it turns out that you know number one, lawyer. Number two, lawyer. Number three, lawyer. Number four, lawyer. Number five, lawyer. Number six, lawyer. Number seven, lawyer. Number eight, lawyer. Number nine, San Diego water damage, which probably has something to do with lawyers. Um. In fact, of the top 25 most expensive keyword phrases, only one business phone service providers in my area has nothing to do with lawyers. And you, yep. you wonder why law is so expensive? Well, I know. I, I view that as, a, as sort of a, a sad thing. In the entire list of their top 178% are legal. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it does. I'll be honest. It, it makes my heart a little sad. <laughs> like, this is not actually like I, I mean, I understand why lawyers are there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that that's where this money is. And, and that sort of is, a, to me, problematic. But we'll leave that to a different. You and I can debate that philosophically at some point, although you probably agree. So that won't be much of a debate. Um. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You, you know that. The final outcome of all of this mm. is Google is probably going to make about $70 billion in revenues in 2016, the vast majority of which is going to come from these top 100 keyword phrases. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can see why. Like, I, I mean, I understand why. And I think any any paid search manager will understand why. Um you know, is this worth a thousand dollars? Sure, it is because you can have a one percent conversion rate and you get one client <laughs> with a good case, and you've just made your money back. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, nine hundred and seventy dollars for a lead sounds like a lot of money, 
But you got to remember, the mesothelioma lawsuits, these are class actions that are, like, bringing in tens or hundreds of millions on average. So yeah. that's, that's why they do that. Okay. Going from, um, from the paid world back to the organic world, and we're going to have to go back to Google Dance Japan for this one. And we're going to start scratching our heads again because we're quoting Gary Ills again. Sorry about this. Okay. So, when's the last time you did a disavow file, Dave? No, oh, I know where you're going. Um, within the past week. I was going to say recently, no doubt. Yep. <laughs> given, given the state of the industry over the last six or... Um, I guess, you know, from uh, 2008 to 2014, given the state of the industry at that time, there's a lot of disavow files going around these days. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm constantly throwing into the disavow set that I'm creating for my clients, because I consider them terribly low-quality links, is scraper sites. You know, sites that are coming and just, like, hoovering all the data off of their websites and throwing them onto... Uh, you know, some other site somewhere else that's, you know, making ad revenue off of my client's words. Mm-hmm. I hate scraper sites. Um, I hate them, A, because content theft is theft, and B, because it's poor quality sites that, as far as I'm concerned, are potentially dragging my clients downwards by association, even though we know that Google knows. Nevertheless, we have to assume that the right hand on the right-hand side of Google's algorithm isn't necessarily synced with the left-hand side, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you, do you, would you put a scraper in a disavow? I have many times. And you know what? I, I hear the news. Still will. <laughs> Indeed! Okay, so here's as near as I can figure what he meant to say. And please correct me if I get the interpretation wrong, okay? Because this was said at uh, Google, Jams, Google Dance Japan. And, um, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm unilingual at best. Um, you can probably ignore scraper sites, but if you're if you're already battling low quality links, don't ignore them. Okay, so here's my fist, and it's hitting the side of my head repeatedly because it feels better than trying to figure out that statement. Like, dude. Okay, you can probably ignore scraper links because Google knows they're scrapers, and they're not going to hold them against you. But if you're already battling low quality links, throw them in the disavow anyway. Here's, in my opinion, these are the words of I, I, uh, of somebody who's never actually done this before. And, and to me, this sounds like somebody who's never actually, who doesn't understand what the process is and actually thinks it's the adding of one to a disavow that actually takes the time, right? Hey, they had 100 links in, in their disavow file. Adding that one took, you know, 1% of the total time for the thing. No, right? You and I know, most of our listeners know who've ever done a disavow, you're going through all the links. The number of domains or pages you're adding is virtually irrelevant after as far as the time to get the thing done to go. You got to review all the links anyway. Then you add in the, you know, you add in your domains, you add in your pages and, and you're done. So I think he's wording it like this as some time saver. The fact is, all of us are going to go, it doesn't matter, it's going to take me the same time, so yep, I'm going to mark these scrapers as ones to include in the disavow, because all it did, you know, I mean, I, I have a column where I just put like a little X in it, or, or put a letter in it, right, or any I'm going to be disavowing. So, yep, I'll, it'll, it takes me the time it takes to click the letter X, like, it doesn't actually take any time, and then, and then you know, I'll, I'll process the, the file and, and turn it into a disavow. So, yeah, I, I think he thought he was saying something, but why you wouldn't include them in there, especially when he's saying, if you have a problem, you should. Well, to me, that means, hey, we might be wrong sometimes, and they may send a bad signal. Well, if you might be wrong sometimes, we should do it all the time. Well, incidentally, I'm working on a disavow file, so what the hell do you think I'm doing? I've got a problem. (laughs) Why am I working on the damn disavow in the first place? Valid point. Okay, uh, we're going to have to take a break in just a second, but before we do, I want to ask a quick question here. All right. I've, 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 I've submitted probably three disavow files in the last four weeks, okay? Okay. Have they made a difference yet? 
Are they making a difference? Is it going to be a difference for the next pandemic? I'm doing this. Pretty sure they're making a difference, but the honest truth is, Dave, the honest to goodness, when I get right down to me being a totally integral and honest person, the truth is I don't know. You know what? I can answer that when we get back and go, <clears throat> yes, they do. And it's actually because of a horrible scenario that I know the answer to that question. But I know we've got to take a break so we can come back with that. That is one hell of a cliffhanger, bro. I got to tell you, that that is clickbait. We're going to use this to advertise the entire show, in fact. Friends, we got stick around bait because Dave's about to answer that question that I just asked. But before we do, we gotta take a few. We gotta take a few minutes to uh, to go through a couple of uh, uh, messages. You're listening to Webcology, Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the second uh, of June, 2016. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. You look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search ranking. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry Radio. It's the 2nd of June, 2016, last segment. And, uh... We went to we went to commercial break on, on on seriously. This is by far the best clickhanger we've had ever. I asked Dave a quick question. Like um, I've been, you know, again, I uh, rarely will a senior SEO admit ignorance, but this time I'm going to admit ignorance because I honestly don't know if the disavow files I've been filing since the last Penguin update, which have been a gajillion, have made a difference at all. Dave, you said you had a, a roundabout answer to that question. I do have a roundabout answer to this question, and it is caused by a horrible scenario that I and a client joined together uh, to feel. <laughs> well, at, least, at least you went through it with someone. Well, I- exactly. Um, unfortunately, it, was, it, it worked out great in the end, but um, what we had was a scenario where they had had a manual action against them. So, of course, this is going back a couple years two penguin updates ago. Well, no, one full penguin update ago, <laughs> waiting on the second. Um, so they were hit with a manual action, um, created a disavow, did the link removal. Great. Okay, manual action got lifted. Here was this big disavow file. 
as part of this, um, they had a list of about 240 of their own websites in there. These were one-page websites, and they're a property management company. And each page was only meant for the owner to send people to. All of them canonicaled to the property on their site. So it's done exactly okay. right. It's canonicaling to the logical spot. So, uh, so far. Exactly. So I disavowed these at the beginning anyway because, hey, you got a manual action, right? So let's just make sure nobody makes any mistakes here, yep. and then nobody can misunderstand that. A couple years had passed. I was happened to be digging through their disavow, and I'm like, okay, and I let them know. I'm going to actually remove these now from your disavow file um, because they're actually done right. So we're going to do them now. Manual action's lifted. We've actually had a full Penguin update since then, so, so we're good to go. So I removed those files from the disavow, re-uploaded their disavow file. Now ask me what happened to their rankings two days later. <laughs> I'm going to guess they tanked. They tanked. Tanked, tanked, tanked. Um, now, we waited for a, for about a two-week period, um, and nope, they didn't recover. This was basically almost as bad as the first time when they had initially called us. So, re-added those um, sites back into the disavow file, re-uploaded the disavow file. Three days later, the rankings were exactly back to where they were prior wow, to okay. the initial one. So do they work and, and do they have, you know, sort of come into play? They definitely do. Okay, now this is this is a little more than correlation is causation. A little closer than that. But the thing that really concerns me about the story is uh, the canonicals didn't work. Well, that's what kind of concerns me too. And that is why I was trying to wait it out, right? And sort of go, okay, you know what? Maybe it's just Google needs to crawl them all again and pick up these canonicals. Right to, to detect that. So that is why I wanted to wait. If it was a test site, I would have actually waited much longer, of course. Right mm -hmm. to go, okay, is there a good chance that after a couple months this would all sort of sort itself out? I have to believe that part of me in the back of my mind going, yeah, it probably would have because it is the entire structure was all right. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually go, I made the right call because technically that was the right thing. But, and some of these things have a lot of good links from like where the owners have gone out and submitted, you know, stuff like improperly. So I was like, oh, hey, I can get a bunch of link weight from this too. Uh, no. So yeah, it, it, it bothers me how long that took that it didn't kick in faster, that it was detected. I mean, they knew the canonicals were there already, even though they were disavowed. So it is a problem. And assumably, assumably the links back were no followed, right? The links back weren't, but it was no, yeah, they were no index. They were left as followed, but they were canonical. So it was recognized. They were basically duplicates of the property page. Right? So they were going, hey, but here's that so. duplicate. So. But you said so. You did straight up. Like, you know, here's where you find the real content. Look over here. Yeah, and if you read the copy, it really is almost exactly the same, right? Like, because that's what it was built to do. It was really just built so the owners could send somebody to this page. Um, without advertising all the other properties, right? What owner wants to send somebody to, like, here's all the properties you could be renting? No, of course you don't. You're going, here's mine. Right? Mm -hmm. So it, it was all set up. Anyway, at, at the end of the day, that certainly did answer that question of, in a short-term, non-penguin, non-penalty scenario, do these disavows actually have a function? Um, and do they have an impact? The answer has to be yes, and I, I certainly saw that impact and, and was very relieved when it bounced back as quickly as it did. By the way, listeners out there in, uh, in Radio Land, if you're ever having a conversation with a potential client and they're like, well, what's the benefit or use of having an SEO work for us? Just play the last few minutes of, that, of, of the conversation Dave and I just had. Because look at the, the, we went in like, I don't know, six sentences. We went four or five different uh, directions and just talking about a set of links in a disavow file. I, th I think that was a pretty, a pretty cool, quick, clinical conversation, eh? Yeah, no, I th yeah, and you know what? We, we were doing it, what, 16 years ago on a deck. Thanks, Ross. Uh, <laughs> we still do now. Um, and speaking of, it's, I may as well make this announcement publicly, um, and may as well make it now. I'm going to be in Victoria in three weeks. So you and me are going to be talking SEO on a deck with beers in our hands, Dave. I'm going to be coming to visit. Sounds awesome. Look forward to seeing you again, Joe. show from your office. Brilliant. From Mary's desk. <laughs> Wait if you hear something crash in the background. <laughs> okay. No teasing Mary today. 
Or I should say, clearly she's not listening. <laughs> she's like, I'm just trying to work. <laughs> okay, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, where do you want to go next? Um, let's see, what do we got? Well, we got Facebook's deep text. Facebook's deep text. This is kind of weird, eh? Kind of scary, kind of uh, eerie computer learning stuff. It is. You'd sent it across, so so take us on a tour. What is it, Jim, and why is it important? I love it. Why it's important, I'm not entirely sure, except it speeds Facebook up. Um, <laughs> actually, I know exactly why it's important. How it affects search marketers, I don't know. Okay, so Deep Text is uh, Facebook's newest iteration of uh, artificial intelligence, and this is a, a relatively uh, fairly intelligent intelligence. It can parse messages in 20 different languages. Um, it can go through, apparently it can go through all the stuff that's being uploaded to Facebook Live in about 20 seconds. Now, so obviously there's a gap here. Something something goes up live, it takes 20 seconds for um, deep text to basically figure out the entire world of Facebook. Every second is 20 seconds to it. But still, trying to, being able to figure out and contextualize every message... 20 seconds is pretty phenomenal. Um, neat thing about deep text is instead of learning a language and then learning the context of the words in that language, deep text went right to the kernel of language and it learned character. Basically, deep text learns its language through phonetics rather than through a dictionary program. So as you converse with it, it's learning more and more about, you know, how to deal with the structure of yours and, you know, the, the mil tens of millions of other people's sentences in real time. Apparently, deep text can figure out the context of, again, all of Facebook in mere seconds. How does that affect search markers? I don't know. Well, I think it's brilliant. I think what they're doing here is they're taking... Uh, their their own AI and putting it at a level of an infant, um, which is great, like in the learning process and going, let's start with context rather than let's start with definition. Let's not plug in words and teach it what words are. Let's actually let it figure out from the beginning and go, here's a new thing. Here's the context. Let me figure out the meaning, which is why I can pick up slang. Um, I don't think it has a lot of meaning for us right now, but as Facebook starting to go further and further and further into demographic targeting, which they're, I mean, they're, they're well entrenched there, as they start to push that even more forward, hey, now they can start to understand how this person uses languages. Now they can take that demographic path, I said I was 18, and actually go, who are your peers? We can now understand from the language that you use. Well, thank God, because I can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put the translator for our generation. Indeed. Okay, we are at end of time. We're at top of the hour, um, and I, there's a couple more things I'd like to bring up, but I'm afraid we can't. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webology on Cranberry.fm. It is the 2nd of June, 2016. Friends, get outside in the sunshine and play before summer is gone. But if you're not going to do that, stick around Cranberry FM. we got more great content coming up after, after the news. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. Mm -hmm.